Everybody, we're back. We're here at the Fishbowl Barrio. I'm here, your host, Pucho, and in front of me is the man, the myth, the legend, Dom. Hey, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, bro. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was good. It was good. I ate too much and unfortunately uh, slept too much, but that might have been a good thing uh, during the Cowboys game because, I mean, who wanted to watch that? Oh, they got road stomped. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> God. I agree with that 100% because <laughs> I was going to say is, I mean, you got to love that those fourth fourth down calls, right? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I honestly <laughs> shut it off after about the fourth, I, mean, I want to say after the third quarter. The fourth, part of the fourth quarter, I was like, there's no need for me to watch any more of this. Well, the only good thing I was, I was really thankful for is that I was so full and I fell asleep that I didn't have to keep on watching that disaster. So, yeah, so you, you ended up with the same situation. Yeah, and I woke, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I woke up in the fourth quarter. I was like, wow, they're only losing by like 20, 30 plus. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there's so many problems all over the team. Um, the main one is our secondary. You know, we need safety. We need a safety bad. The next one I would say is we need offensive line help. It seems like they're either injured, and our starters are either injured and out, or they're ineffective. Yeah. And so we need to get some younger players to kind of help with that and and help, you know, improve the abilities of the people who are on the front line because Zeke is sucking this year, and then I don't know if it's because of him, he's complacent, or if it's mainly the offensive line, but... The offense in its entirety is not playing well. Outside of the receivers, they're pretty good. The yeah. receiver play is pretty decent for the most part. I can't recall, you know, who played very well this past game as a receiver. I want to say punter. the punter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he he probably did the best this game. Um, but you know, it's looking like the Cowboys are heading towards a top pick in the draft, and um, I personally hope that we can trade that pick for a, a higher first round pick and, and a more service serviceable starting probably safety uh, somebody i don't know who i don't know who i didn't do my research to tell you exactly who they could target but at this point they need to go for they need to do something um what we got on the field is terrible and we knew going into the season that it was kind of, that this team was probably going to be mediocre more than likely you know and they you know the top end was maybe they're going to win 10 and 6 um, but I yeah. don't know. Now, now we can see Dak was a pretty big driving force on that team as far as, first of all, leadership. Yeah. I think he covered up a lot of their holes. Yes. And I think it's been apparent this season. And I, I don't know. Man. Yeah. I, I don't know. How about you? I, I agree 1000% about that offensive line. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, they've got to, like you said, I agree. They got to get safety or coverage. Mm-hmm. And after that, they got to start rebuilding that line because yeah. 
I mean, it, the it, line it, is it, not it, what it used it, to be. No, and it, you know, and we, it was. You gotta remember, Fredericks is out. Yeah, he's gone. He's retired. I believe he retired. If I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. And so, Tyron Smith, he's up there in age, and it's starting yeah. to show because he's missing games because of injuries and stuff, yeah. right? And then you have Zach Martin. I think he just came back from some injuries. So those are our best offensive linemen, and then the other guys. I mean, I couldn't yeah, even tell you who they are to tell yeah, you well, if they're good or not. All I know is that our run game is doing very porous this year, outside of Tony Pollard's every now and then bursts. But yeah, and that's what was frustrating uh, was especially that fourth and two call, and I, I almost want to throw my remote through the TV was because on fourth and two. They throw, they throw, they go, they opt to go and throw a pass, do a passing play. Mm-hmm. And I'm there screaming at the TV like, damn, you just made, you paid Zeke all that money and he, you, you don't trust him enough to give you two yards. I don't know about you. I'd be pissed, McCarthy, man. Bro. I, I, mm-hmm. I was like, dude, and I would have called the timeout and looked at Zeke and said, hey, you wanted all that money. You're going to d- damn better get me those two yards or three. Right. And I would have, and if he didn't get it, I mean. I, I don't know how Jerry Jones hasn't just blown his brains out right now watching oh, that Oh, because disgrace. he looks at his bank account, bro. It's pretty easy. He's like, dang, look at all those zeros. Yeah, <laughs> pretty he, much. And then he just sits back and, and chills out. But, you know, there's not much else to say about the Cowboys. They're doing very bad right now. If it wasn't for the Jets and the Jags, I would have said the Cowboys are the worst team in the league. We're yeah. Definitely the worst team in the NFC East. And, and what's sad is I think we're still in the running for the NFC East. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And then on top of that, it's not just poor player, uh, you know, the the football players not playing well, but you throw in the coaching staff, and the coaching has been horrible as well. I mean, it's I mean just, but did it's, you it's, have it's, high it's, expectations for Mike McCarthy when he came in? I, like my I, first thought was like, well, there was a reason he got fired from Green Bay, or he got they separated. You know, I, I'm not. I'll be honest with you. I had high hopes for him. I was oh, thinking man. was I was like. Hey, you maybe know, you can be like a lot of Cowboys fans. Uh, yeah, I was like, hey, got to be a step up from Jason Garrett, the clapper. <laughs> you know, I was out. So I was like, I was all optimistic. Yeah. So I was like, you're hey, you're my boy. Up, right? I was like, yeah, I mean, this boy, this guy's already won a, a Super Bowl. I mean, I mean, we, better than the clapper. And now I'm looking at him. Maybe the clapper wasn't so bad, man. There, there's something there. We all know what the issue is. And we're not going to we go know. over that right now. If you guys want to hear us talk about. The Cowboys more, any other topics, send us your topic ideas to thefishbowlbodio at gmail.com. And you can hit us up at our Twitter as well. So look us up at uh, the Fishbowl Bodio. So, so yeah, Dom. So before we jump into our two topics today, mm-hmm. before we jump into our two topics today, um, I just want to share a nice little December 4th fact with you All and right. with everyone. Did you know that on 1950, in 1954, on December 4th, the first Burger King opened up in Miami, Florida, and it was owned by James McLemore and David Egerton. So, awesome. Nice well, fun fact. Now I'm going to get a Whopper on the way home in honor of that. In honor of that. Yes. <laughs> and by far. That's, that's, that's I, you, know, you know what's funny about the Whopper is like. Everybody that I know likes the Whopper was a military brat. Everybody that I know. I love the Whopper. I mean, to me, it's the best burger out there. I mean, out of the fast food. It's just that flame. flame You're talking about out of the the big chains. Yeah. You're talking about McDonald's. Wendy's. Wendy's. I'm not including uh, Whataburger, no. No, no, no. 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 That's like a step up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about the the regular chain. It's it's that flame taste. It's just better. 
Okay, okay. If you guys want to hear us talk more about burgers. <laughs> or fast foods. Or if you guys want to tell us what your favorite burgers are, hit us up at thefishbowlbodyo at gmail.com or at our Twitter, thefishbowlbodyo again. So, Dom, we got two exciting topics today. I think they're, they're pretty interesting topics, especially with the holidays rolling around. You know, a lot of these things are, you know, a lot of people are going to be staying home watching movies, right? Well, yeah. You know, they were already doing that because of what the situation, but this is the normal time of year where everybody kind of snuggles up and stays home and watch movies. So our first topic is going to be favorite Christmas movies. Okay. And then we're going to jump into some of our favorite directors. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into it. All right. So, favorite Christmas movie. My favorite all-time Christmas movie has to be Home Alone. And there's multiple reasons. The first reason is I love the music in there. And if you guys don't know, uh, John Williams was a composer of uh, the Home Alone music. And John Williams has probably composed all of our lives, our lives, you know, our particular generation's lives because... He did Superman, he did Jaws, he did Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones. I mean, he did a lot of the big time movies, right? Especially in the 80s and the the 70s and 80s and even the 90s. But that was one of the movies that he did, right? And it was different because one, it was a Christmas movie and stuff like that. And so he, you know, implements some of the Christmas themes and like he would use those big bells that are very synonymous with, with Christmas carols and stuff like that. And then... It was the music is fantastic, man. Like uh, I could sit there and listen to just the soundtrack. You know, it's a very, very memorable music. You know, I'm not gonna hum it right now, but it might actually be playing in our background. You know, I mean, not to get off topic, but this is gonna be a weird question. Mm -hmm. Do you think he'll be considered like like a Mozart or anything? Because when you think about it, and I I mean, me and you had these discussions like months and months ago. Yeah. But. I just started rolling down his music list. I'm like, man, this guy is... He's done a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. And, lot, and, mean, and it's like memorable stuff, you know? Man, I, I, How I many times have you heard the Imperial March somewhere? All the time. Dun, 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 That's dun, my wife's ringtone when I call her, man. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. You know, it's, it brings people together. Um, I don't know, man, to be honest, because the crux with him is that these soundtracks or these compositions are created... For a movie, you know, and I don't know if people are going to give him um, or, you know, knock him for that. In my opinion, I think he should. Because if you watch those movies. He's a genius, man. The music is as much a part of the movie as the actors and everything that you're seeing on the TV. Like, think about Jaws, for example. You hear the music that frightens you more than Jaws. Like, think about, I think it was the opening scene, right? The girl's in the in the water, it's late. Mm-hmm. And all you hear is the cello or the the, the bass. Do, do. Do, do. And then it goes yeah. on and on, right? And uh, you don't really see the shark, right? It's the music that's giving you the anxiety of like there's something there. And plus yeah. everybody's like there's deep water. You don't yeah. know what's underneath. So you add those two elements together, right? And that's what creates all that anticipation and like anxiety about what's gonna happen to this person. 
And and it's, and it's fantastic. E.T. I think is another one. Of, I believe he did E.T. as well. Um, Star Wars. I mean, like I said, Imperial March is like one of the most well-known pieces of music in the world. You know, you could probably play the Imperial March anywhere, and everybody will know. Oh, it's Star Wars. You know, they might not know it's John Williams, but they know it's Star Wars. Um, you know, all the themes on Jurassic Park. Another one. All the theme songs of Indiana very, Jones. Yeah. 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 Exactly. All those theme songs are very, very, like, familiar. You know what they mean, you know? And, and that means something. It's just like the Mozart music, right? When you hear Mozart, you know, oh, that's Mozart. Beethoven's, you hear Beethoven, you yeah. know, that's Beethoven. Yeah, Beethoven. Gustav Holtz, you know, that's Gustav Holtz, whatever. But the music he did in there is like, this. is just another one because it's his style, but with Christmas elements in it. So it was a little bit different than what he was normally doing. So the music in that movie is phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. So that was that was one one reason why I liked that movie so much. The next thing was the hijinks, right? All the things that Kevin McAllister did in his house, and you as a kid, and you would love to have done all that stuff, right? First of all, you'd have loved to have that giant house, and then yeah. secondly, you would have loved to have the traps and all that. Exactly, stuff. dude. So, like for example, the first night he. Um, that he know he notices of those guys, right? They're they're following him to the house or whatever. He kind of figures out that they're gonna come that night, and so he like sets up his house. He gets his Michael Jordan po- uh, cut out and he puts it on the train and he has it kind of doing the figure eight. And he has like uh, a couple of dummies tied to ropes that he has controlling on the other end, and like he's making it look like there's a party going on in the house. And so the robbers come up there, and the guy tells him, "Man, I thought I thought you said this was they were gone." He's like, "Yeah, they were supposed to be gone yesterday." He's like, "Man, it doesn't look like anybody. It looks like they're having a good time." He's like, "Man, we'll we'll come back and check it out, right?" And so he got he was able to get away with it that night. But then the next day, when they went and came back to check it out, they realized, "Oh no, he's home alone." So he knew like I can't do that again because they're not gonna buy it. So he started devising all these little traps all over his house. First of all, I was like, damn, this kid's intelligent as hell, right? Because he's like, he, he pretty much had contingency plan after contingency plan after contingency plan. It, ready to like, take him out, right? It's like all, all everything that he had planned out, it went perfectly. Perfectly, dude. Like, he knew it. It's like, damn, this kid's a genius. <laughs> and so, um, you know, he, he, he knew that, okay. Well, I think pretty much what it is, he, he set up all the entrances, right? And so it didn't matter because no matter what entrance they would get, go into, there was going to be a trap. And if they got out of that trap, there's here's a subsequent trap. And so the hijinks of, uh, that he got into on doing that while simultaneously ridiculing the, the, the robbers and, and, you know, and enticing them to try to get him. And, and just so then they keep getting themselves hurt and stuff like that. And then, and then there's a part where. The tarantula comes and, and that that part is unintended, right? He didn't that that the tarantula had escaped earlier in the movie, and so the tarantula falls on one of them and the dude starts hitting the other. He's like, "Don't move!" Don't. And he doesn't tell him why because the dude's kind of like coming to. He was knocked a little bit unconscious, and so he's kind of coming to. He's like, "Mom, what what are you doing?" He's like, "Don't move!" And he starts hitting him in the chest with a crowbar. <laughs> Yeah. And he started beating him with it. So, like, you know, he, all these extra things start happening. And then to close it off, he um, he oh, he set it up where he would go to another house. And when he go to that house, he set it up where the cops would already be on their way over there. And so, he first, he goes to his treehouse. And the way he gets to his treehouse is he set up a zip line from the room to the treehouse. So, he goes over there. And then he, he again, 
entices them to come after him. And uh, they start to go on the rope. And, of course, I'm sure you can guess what's going to happen next. Let me guess. He cuts the rope. He cuts the rope. And they swing and they swing into the house. And so he gets down and he goes across the street, whatever. And he gets help from the neighbor. The neighbor. The, the guy that they the, the everybody his brothers would say to kill his family or whatever, but that was all a lie. He's really a nice guy. It was like it's funny because as an adult, like as a child, you're like, whoa, that guy, well, he he's salting everybody, the dead bodies on the street, right? As an adult, I'm like, man, that's a nice guy, bro. He spends the whole night salting the sidewalks for everybody. <laughs> for everybody, I was like, that guy's a really nice guy. <laughs> and so. You know, and then the movie ends with the mom coming home, the whole family coming home, and all that stuff. But and but again, the hijinks. I, oh, I would be remiss if I didn't I didn't mention the one more hijink that he says does in that movie. He orders a pizza, right? And uh, he doesn't want to make it look like it's just him there. And so he he uh, when he when the pizza guy comes up, he starts playing this tape of this movie that he used to watch that, that he wasn't supposed to watch, but when everybody gone, he was able to watch it. And, uh, you know, he, he puts the money out there and then the, the guy tells him, you can keep the change, you filthy animal or something like that. And the guy's like, you know, it was like change. It wasn't even that much of a, of a, of a tip. And then like, he keeps it playing just to, just to mess with the, with the pizza guy. And he's all like, nah, I want you to get your keister off my property. And I'm going to count to 10. One, two, 10. He starts blowing. The guy starts like freaking out because of the gunshots. And he, and he drives off or whatever, but that was another one that was really, really funny, man. And then finally, you know, the story. The story was a really cool story. You know, you get the kid who is kind of an outcast in his family. Like he, he everybody like pretty much trashes on him in the beginning of the movie. Everybody, and to the point where the next day they forgot about him. You know, and it was really cool because as a kid, I think we all would like to just have like our house to ourselves and do what we want. You know what I mean? Until you realize what happens when you're by yourself. You know, you're like, shit, I got, I don't have anything. I have to go actually go buy stuff, right? Um, but, of course, we've already established that Kevin McAllister is, is a genius, and so he was able to do all those things. Something to say that I couldn't do them as well. It's just, you know, as a, as a kid, you're not thinking about those consequences, nor was he when he made that quote-unquote wish. Uh, but yeah, man, the movie, uh, that was probably yeah. my favorite Christmas movie, I have to say. I like that one. That was good. Mario yeah. uh, Martin is actually National Lampoon's Ooh, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, yeah. So funny, man. It's just, what Chevy I love Chase, about it, so yeah, it it, what I love about it is just, just comedy straight through. Which Russ was it again? Which Russ is in that one? Um, actually, the, the Russ, uh, what's his name? The one that comes out in Roseanne. Oh, Big Bang Theory. Yeah, Big Bang Theory guy. Um. I'll call him Big Bang Theory, dude. Yeah, we'll call him that. <laughs> and, I, for, I forget his real name. Yeah, that's Leonard Hofstetter. Yeah, he's the he's that Russ on there. And my the reason I love that one is just first, I mean, it's the iconic scene where he's over there trying to put all the Christmas lights up. Johnny Galecki. Johnny Galecki. Yeah, that's his. Name. And my my thing is, is when he puts up all the Christmas lights. I mean, how many commercials we see. When he, you know, <laughs> one million lights. I mean, this is just a guy just trying to be, he's do what's right. Out. Yeah, he's just trying to do, he's just your average dad trying to do what's right for his family. Yeah. It, it's 
does it's overdoes a, it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's just the story too, where he's counting on that Christmas bonus because he's already uh, ordered. You know, he prepaid for a pool to be put in, and uh, he has the in-laws. His uh, wife's uh, cousin Eddie shows up in his uh, mobile home, and I love cousin Eddie. He's just uh, the Dennis to me, Quaid. yeah, Dennis yeah. Quaid. He, my, he's my favorite character in that whole movie. Uh, but it's just the hijinks, his fun, his, the comedy scenes where, especially like there he is, uh, he's got his RV all parked in his front yard, and <laughs> he's just there waving in the neighbor, which is um, Elaine from Seinfeld. She's like, yeah, what is he she's doing? she's like a jerk and stuff, right? Yeah, her, her exactly. Husband, yeah. yeah, they're like, like these wealthy snobs. Yeah, and he's, he's just waving them. Shitter's fool. Shitter's <laughs> And then it's just... <laughs> And that that oh. I love that scene and yeah because it's like a clash of cultures right? yeah exactly and then uh, Clark too and he finds out uh, you know he's everybody you know, comes that, in everything's going wrong but then finally the check what he thinks the check is come in the mail it's special delivery and then he has everybody around he breaks the good news he's about to break the good news he goes I've been waiting on this and he lets them know I about the pool I've been keeping it a secret that's why I've been under pressure a little. But it finally came in, and you know, if there's anything left over, I'm gonna give us a little trip for vacation. And he opens it up; it's the jelly of the month. And then I love De- uh, Dennis Quaid, uh, uh, cousin Eddie. It's the gift that keeps on giving year round. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, <laughs> and then he's all pissed, and he goes, oh. get the egg dog, and he goes, you know what? He goes, what do you want? He goes, and then Clark goes, what I want? I want my boss in front of him here. And wrapped in a little boat, so I kick him in the ass and tell him what a rotten scumbag he is. And then good old cousin Eddie, he sneaks off, goes and kidnaps his boss. <laughs> he puts him in a boat, kicks him in the ass to, to bring him to Clark. And then, of course, the squat comes in. And it's just that whole movie. It's just everything about They're it. They're funny, man. Yeah. The lampoons are funny, man. Yeah, it's just that's my absolutely... Favorite Christmas movie. I mean, I it's love really a Christmas. I love a Christmas story too. That's a good I, one. Too. I like it because they play that. Tw- they play it twenty four seven. Shoot your eye out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's something. And you know what's funny is that movie. Growing up watching it, you know mm. how they play twenty four seven. I always thought it was made in the like seventies and sixties. I was like, no, it wasn't even made that that long ago. It was, I think made in the eighties or something like oh, that. Oh, really? I didn't. know Yeah. That. I thought the same as you. It was made like in the sixties. No, or the, not at all. Seventies. Seventies. Yeah, it was. It was funny. I mean, but that those are that's my favorite. Yeah, I, some movie. honorable mentions for me, I guess, would be um, the Grinch is one. Um, another one would be. Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. I love the music <laughs> in Charlie Brown Christmas. It's really good. It's like a mix of classical and jazz. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's, I have one of my honorable. It's one, it's a little bit sentimental, but two, if you sit down and watch a movie, it's just a great movie. Uh, a Wonderful Life. Oh, I know, yeah. I, I know it, it's hard for some people to watch a black and white movie and it's so corny, but Man. the movie is just so good how. Um, you know, you see like how his life would have been if he would have, uh, if he would never have been born, his yeah, brother yeah. would have That's passed. Been, that it's movie, just... that type of movie has been done a bunch of times, but yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. Like, I think Matthew McConaughey is in like two or three movies like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's just something about that old, that one. Day. No, no. It's My dad really... used to make, uh, would watch it all the time. Yeah. So I, the first time I remember watching, I was like, ah, it's a black and white movie as a kid. I was like, boring. But after I saw it, I was like. 
man, this is a really good movie. And so still to this day, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. And, and that's a great movie that you brought up right there because a movie that's kind of like that, that I used to love watching when I was a kid growing up, was Scrooged oh, with Bill Murray. Yes. I used to love that. And it's kind of, it's the same story, yeah. you know, like he, he, he got met with the three ghosts, but it was like a modern take on it. And it was so bad. I, like, like thinking about it now, I was like, damn, they did a really good job about it. Cause they, you know, he first gets met with his old boss. Who's yeah. just like some dead zombie fired guy. Who's like the, like pretty much trying to show him like, look at you worked all this hard to get to where you're at and you're not happy, blah, blah, blah. And then he got met with the present. And, and she kind of like took him to all like his workers houses and showed him like, look, you, you get paid all this money, but look what your workers go to look how much happier they are. Cause they showed like his secretary, yeah. for example. And they were like, what did you, did you get a bonus? No, he gave me a towel. That's terrible, man. A towel. He gave her a freaking towel that he didn't have to even pay for. It's the gift that keeps on giving every time she wants to dry herself. Yeah, I'd use that towel specifically for one thing. Is it? Does it relate to wiping? Yes. And then he gets met with the future one that ends up showing that he died by himself. You know, that he that nobody was there, not even his brother. Like, I, Or his brother was there, but then he like left real quick, like. I just wanted to make sure you're dead. Yeah, pretty much kind of deal. But that movie was awesome. Um, so, yeah, we set our Christmas, favorite Christmas movies. Now let's go ahead and jump into our favorite directors. I know I'd go from rags to riches. All right. Well, let's get into our favorite directors. And my personal favorite director is Martin Scorsese. Okay. No surprise there. Yeah, I know. For those that know uh, that know me, I absolutely love uh, gangster and mob movies. Yeah. I, 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 I absolutely love them. Anything that comes out like that, I'll watch it. Uh, <laughs> even if it's a comedy one, I'll watch it. Right. But, uh, you know, the reason for me is he's made one of my favorite almost probably I'd put it in the top three movies my favorite movies yeah is Goodfellas Goodfellas that's a good one yeah uh, also he's made another one mm. Casino Casino mm. uh, and I love how he puts Ray Joe Pesci is Ray Liotta in both of them and no, no he's not in uh, Casino but he is in Goodfellas uh, Joe Pesci is in both Helicopters yeah exactly <laughs> Joe Pesci is in, in Goodfellas yeah, uh, yeah. Tommy and uh, the because uh, in, in, in Casino he's Nicky. Which one's the one where he gets beat up? In uh, where he gets beat up with the baseball bat. That's a Casino. Casino, yeah. Uh, when he's in Goodfellas, that's when he thinks he's being made, and they take him into the room, and he thinks he's going to get initiated, <laughs> and they put one right in the back of his head, and then they, that's when they I, call I, it. They call Robert De Niro on the phone, and they said, "Hey, did did he get made? Well, no, it's something you know." He's gone. What do you mean he's gone? Oh, you know he's gone. You know, and he goes. What do you mean gone? Gone? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's it. And that's when he figured out they put they killed him. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. He better be on his p's and q's. Yeah. So I mean, Uh, that's no because it's worse in casino because not only they beat his ass, they show him. I forget was his brother. No, his brother. His brother Dominic. He put, he, he's put, beat he, up, right? Yeah, they hold him. They hold him, Nikki, Joe Pesci. Say, look at you, your brother. 
jerk off. And then they, they, they hold his brother and they beat his brother uh, with baseball bat to death, to almost to death. Yeah. And he's still breathing. Yeah. And they throw him in the hole. And then they, they said, they made him watch. And then they start doing the same to him. And they bury both of him and his brother alive. It, what do you call it? That's, it, that's it, worse. It, it, Way worse. Yeah. I'd rather get the bullet to the back of the head. Yeah, me too. And ten get, times out of ten. Yeah, they, they beat him both. At, like, And they both they buried him both buried alive on there. And I just, I love that. the Those two movies. Uh, also... Uh, another good one that that he directed was uh, the the Departed with a bunch of uh, and that's probably A-listers. my favorite movie from him, The Departed. Uh, yeah, it's with Matt Damon, Matt Damon. Mark Wahlberg, yeah. Alex Baldwin. Yeah, uh, I mean a bunch of them. Jack Nicholson and Alec like uh, Baldwin is hilarious in that movie. Yeah, I, I like him too. It, it, but what's funny is I don't even think he's acting. I think he's just himself in that movie. Man. I think a lot of them are like yeah. Mark Wahlberg too. Yeah. Just like a prick. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they're really using their Boston accents in that movie. Yeah, it's, it's, and it, they do a great job. Jack Nicholson's in there as well. Uh, I think you said Ben Affleck. Uh, that that movie is probably my favorite of the Martin Scorsese movies. And then, uh, of course, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street's another he, really good one. <laughs> I love. Uh, what's his name? He's the fat a, he's guy. What's his name? That, he's the man that got Margot Robbie. Oh yeah, naked. Yes, <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> and for that, he should have won Best Director of the Year. Oh, did he, didn't he that year? Uh, I'm not sure. I know uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. I thought they won several awards. But uh, what's his name? The- that movie is great, man. Yeah, it has great dialogue. It has <laughs> a lot of funny scenes, and it gives you a lot of. I mean, it kind of like <laughs> solidifies what a lot of people assume. The '80s businessman's life was like, yeah, you know, and, and yes, of course, it's probably a uh, dramatization of, of their lives, but I would assume it's probably close to that. I, I like Jonah Hill in, in that movie. He goes where he goes. You show me a check right now, I'll quit my fucking job. Yeah, you show me a check, you gotta be That's bullshitting. Right. And it's, then, it's a diner, right? Yeah, and Leonardo DiCaprio just pulls out the check, and then I like how it doesn't even. Show him it just the next it cuts to the scene with with Jonah Hill on the phone. Yeah, that job I ain't fucking going. <laughs> he quit right there on the phone. And then I like how Leonardo where it's a dialogue in his head, like a monologue where he's going, he's sort of fucking nuts, but I liked him. Who else would quit a job right there and there? And I like too where they're like, hey, I yeah. heard, I, I heard. oh no no no, they were just nominees. Uh uh-huh. they were nominated. Uh, all of them were nominated. Uh, Jonah Hill, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Best Picture, Best Director, all that. Um, yeah. but they didn't win. Um, but yeah, that, that that's a great movie. That's it, definitely a great movie. Uh, some old ones that he did that I think started his career mm. or him being famous was the Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro. Taxi Driver. It, it's funny. Right? He uses, you can see the, the parallels that he uses. He likes to use a lot of the same actors in, in his movies like Robert De Niro, yeah. Joe Pesci. Uh, Jack Nichols, like, uh, well, I, guess, yeah. I guess it's a trust factor. There, yeah, because right? yeah. he's also used um, another movie, famous movie, was Raging Bull. What's <laughs> again, what's again with Robert, Robert De, Niro De Niro and yeah. and Joe Pesci, uh, and a modern one. And actually, when it came out on Netflix, it just came out this last year. I watched it when it first came out. I was, like I said, I love mobster movies, and I I sat and I was sitting there waiting for it to be released, and I watched it. It's a long movie. But for those that are, are love 
uh, mobster and gangster movies, you got to watch on Netflix, The Irishman. Irishman. And he got nominated for uh, this last year for that one. They didn't win, but they got nominated. And once again, it was with Robert De Niro, uh, Joe Pesci. And uh, some of the number of actors made like cameos too in it, like uh, uh, Ray uh, Ray Romano and some other people. But that's really a good another good movie uh, that that I really enjoyed that came he did recently. Right. Um, but for those reasons and just his his work and I it's just the way he makes those mob scenes feel like you're there watching it and. It's sort of. Uh, it's. I hate to say mouth. it. Yeah. It's. I hate to say it, he sort of. It sort of glamorizes, glamorizes it, yeah. and uh, and it, 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 I like that, and that's maybe why I like <laughs> well, those movies. Yeah. A lot of people do. Um, is there anything new that he's going to start doing? Um, I haven't really looked into it, but I'll probably look into it. Now that you said, I might look into it after this show and see <laughs> what what he if anything's on the horizon. I'm not sure with COVID. If it stopped any production, and, and he's a different, he's at an age too where like he he doesn't have to come out with a movie every every other year or every yeah. year, you know, like he can actually wait and look for like the perfect projects to work on and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it, I imagine him, especially if he came out, he was very very critical of like the Marvel movies and stuff like that. And I imagine that he's probably going to, after the Irishman, he's probably taking a, a break. A, a break from yeah, him. Yeah, and, and just kind of like chilling out. I mean, again, at his level, he can do that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, he'll come out with something. It's you him and choose Spike what Lee. you want. I look at him and Spike Lee the same. It's like they can come out with something whenever they want to come out with something. You know? Yeah. Uh, and it'll probably both, both be on Netflix or some kind of streaming network, to be honest. Like Quibi yeah. or, or some of these other ones, you know. Um, because what's really cool nowadays, and we've talked about this before, is... You don't have to go to this big production company or this big marketing company to to make a, a good show. You know, you can go to one of these other smaller, you know, streaming networks and 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 make a really good show. So, so my favorite director is Quentin Tarantino, and the biggest reason I like his style is number one, the dialogue. I love the dialogue in all his movies. And I yeah. feel like that he makes a concerted effort to really point out what the characters are saying to each other. You know, like they'll put them in a room, like especially if they're, they're like they're having a discussion back and forth, a serious one. He'll put them in a room where it's quiet, so you can really hear the back and forth going on, right? Because a lot of times they'll be talking shit to each other, but in like a fluid dialogue, you know. And it's also cool how he kind of like describe certain things or how the characters will describe certain things. No, that's awesome that you said that. I mean, what it's what's your favorite dialogue? I, I, the reason I bring this up cuz I I'll tell you one of my favorite dialogues and scenes out of one of his movies, but I want to hear your opinion first. Uh, now, now, now you want me to narrow it down. I wasn't expecting to have to narrow it down so many. <laughs> no, but when you said that, it, it made that pop up into my head. So that's why I, I wanted to ask. Because when you said that, it was like, oh, you're so right about that. I, and it came, this one scene to my mind. Well, right go ahead. Now. What was the scene? Okay, I, I'll, I'll jump on. In Reservoir Dogs, when, uh, when he, they're talking about like a virgin and uh, Buscemi talks about tipping. Yeah. And where, where you're like, 
what everybody's going around there saying, oh, like a virgin. It's like she's never been fucked before. And the, or the first big dick, it, like she was hurting like for the very first time. And that conversation, everybody's talking. And then here comes the check. And then everybody, everybody's pitching in their tip. And Steve Buscemi say, hey, I, I, I ain't tipping shit. And then you go like, what do you mean? Well, I don't believe in tipping. Why do we? Why do we say tip the these diner, people? Right? Yes, yeah, because why do we tip these people but not these people? Fuck them if they want to get another job. Again, they're like, and they're all like, well, you know, I tip only, you know, if you know if they do a really good job. They're all, and one of the other guys is all like, well, uh, do you, you know, she filled up your cup two times. Whoa. Whoa, I'm here, I've been here an hour and she only filled it up two times. I want it filled up five times. And they're all like, <laughs> so I want it, they're all like, so for you, do you, to, you want her to fill it up five times, suck your dick for like a dollar? <laughs> and then he goes, I really call him out yeah, on this yeah, shit, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the, the old man just comes up there. He goes, hey, who didn't put in for the tip? Mr. Pink over here. And they're all like, they're all like, they're all like, yeah, he goes, hey, you cheap bastard. I'm paying for your breakfast. You can at least kick in. And he goes, well, uh, you know, usually I don't do this, but because you're paying this, I don't give a shit what you usually do. <laughs> you cough up your dollar like everybody else, you cheap bastard. Hey, hey, think about that. That whole scene was in a diner. Yes, exactly. Just them sitting there talking, exactly. right? Exactly. All in one table. And there's been a lot of scenes like that. Because uh, the whole fiction was another one, right? Yeah, yeah where he's all like... Uh, the uh, Where Jules the, talks about yeah. his whole epiphany and his yeah. whole life-changing epiphany. Yeah. So so the one that I would have to say is it's in Desperado. And, I, and, and, and for all of you guys out there who are probably like, come on, man, this is a duh. For me, right? This is it for me. Yeah. Is when Antonio Banderas walks into a bar and he tells everybody there, right? Because they're all spe like suspicious, right? Because this is after Steve Buscemi had gone in there, told him a story about this giant Mexican that had messed up, you know, had screwed up this other bar or whatever. He played an awesome role in that movie too, Steve yeah. Buscemi. So Antonio Banderas walks in and he looks at the bartender and he tells him, I'm looking for a man who calls himself Pucho. Now, it's Butro with a B, I think is what he said there, yeah. but I had to say Butro. Looking for a man who calls himself Butro. And so all the guys, they all knew what was up, and they pulled their guns out, and all you hear is, right? And he's like, ah, not yet. And that's yeah. it. That's when the stuff goes off in the movie, man. <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably my favorite line, right? Um, but there's a lot of exchanges. My favorite probably, you know what? My favorite exchange is when Jules... And John Travolta's character go in to meet um I don't remember, I don't know his name in the movie, but um Lamar uh I forget the actor's name, but I know his first name is Lamar because he does a lot of voice acting stuff. Um Lamar, then he has his two roommates that he lives with, and um he's telling him that Ezekiel twenty five seventeen, the path of the righteous man is beset on the I forget the rest of it, inequities of all things equal. And you will know my name is the Lord when I strike my vengeance upon thee and my furious anger, something like that. Something like that, but yeah. that line is awesome. Of course, it's it's been quoted as uh, yeah. a crap like ton the, of times. Uh, in that same scene, I like the, look at the brain on bread. Yeah. <laughs> they don't got the quarter pounder in there. You know why? Because they're on the metric system. Oh, yeah. shit. Look at the brain on bread. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel Jackson is solid gold in that movie, bro. He's awesome in that movie. And then, and then, the guy who I always call you after is in that movie as well. The Wolf. The Wolf. 
And he's so cold. Harvey Keitel is so cold because he just drives up in his badass NX, NSX that has the wolf on the, on the license plate. And he walks in and he starts barking and telling the orders, you, you go do this. You, you go do that. And John Travolta comes after him. With some attitude. He's like, yeah, attitude's like, you know, you don't have to... You don't have to like bark your orders and da da man. You know, I, I, I'm freaking out. And, you know, you can just tell me what you need me to do. Listen, I if I'm being curt, it's because we have a, a short amount of time. So, pretty please, with sugar on top, get the fucking body out the car. <laughs> Clean all that shit. Clean the or, shit out the or car. Or if, your, if my services are no longer needed, I can be on my fucking very way. Hey, hey, hey. Nobody's saying that, man. <laughs> and but it's also cool when. when Samuel Jackson, he's calling Ving Rhames and he's telling him, you know, he's freaking out and he's like, you know, man, da, 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 and he's like, man, hey, you know, chill out, whatever, whatever. And, and Samuel Jackson's like, I don't want to hear that, man. He's like, well, what do you want to hear? I want to hear that, calm down, Jules. I'm going to send somebody on the way. And he's like, tells him, calm down, Jules. The wolf is on his way. Well, shit. Well, shit, man. You had to say that, right? That's all you had to say, Negro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's man. so many great, and just that movie alone, right? But then I said Desperado, another yeah. great movie, with a lot of great one-liners in that movie as well. Steve Buscemi plays an awesome part. His role. A, yeah, I think he's the, an underrated actor, man. Definitely. It, it, I, it's funny you say that because my one of my son's favorite movies is uh, recently is uh, Hubie Halloween, and he's in there, and he plays like for a while you think for a spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it for a while you think he's a werewolf, but then you find out that he's just a crazy guy that thinks he's a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he's funny in that movie. But his role in the Desperado, for those who don't know, is he is working with Antonio Banderas's character, who is the Desperado. And the Desperado is essentially a mariachi guy whose wife got killed or was thought to have been killed. And his hand, his guitar playing hand was destroyed, right, by these drug dealers. And so he was on a war path to kill all the drug dealers out of Mexico. And Steve, he started, I think he helped Steve Buscemi along the way. And so Steve Buscemi was working with him. Steve Buscemi was working with him on getting, hold on. Steve Buscemi was working with him to essentially, he would tell a story of him, like to kind of hype him up so people would kind of be scared of him. And so he would do a fantastic job because he would talk about, you know, it, it, it would be like the, the, the light was almost going to show his face and then it would not. And he was like the biggest Mexican you'd ever seen. Like this huge. And then he pulled out this big gun and then the, the, he's like he kills everybody in the bar, and then Cheech Marin. He's like, oh, so the bartender lives, and then Stevie Shane he says, no, bartender got it worst of all. He got it right between the eyes. But anyway, that movie is fantastic, and I mean, he's got a lot of fantastic movies. He, like you said, Selma Hayek. That was I think that was the first movie she like made her splash on, and then you had Dust Till Dawn was another movie that he did. Oh, right, Django too. Django, another one. That was an awesome movie. Awesome movie. Um, you know, he's an asshole in the movie, but Leonardo DiCaprio does a great job in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> he does a really good job in that. I movie. actually, and Samuel Jackson out of him. No, but. and Samuel Jackson too. I love him in that movie. No master. <laughs> oh he man, plays that, he plays that shit. 
Awesome. Man. He plays that shit good, man. And the same thing with Leo, man. And um, but everybody does a really good job. Uh, I forget the actor's name. I think his name is like Christopherson or something like that. Christoph. Um, he's been in a lot of movies. Oh, I I I can't believe I didn't even mention this one. Glorious Bastards. It's another right. great movie. Um, the speech where Brad Pitt's talking to his soldiers and, you know, they get all those Jewish guys on purpose because they yeah. want them to, like, internally feel angry about what yeah. they're doing. You know, they want them to be murderous, apparently. And so, you know, they they, they task Brad Pitt with constructing, like, this all-Jewish squadron to hunt down Nazis. And he would task each of them to, to scalp all the Nazis. Or how he, how he said it, Nazis. Yeah. And but uh, that that actor is in that movie as well. Um, I can't think of his name at the moment. Oh no no no! But you know what's funny? I was just thinking you're probably right about how some of the directors you like to use the same actors because it's a trust factor and they know they're going to be good in it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they they well that too and it probably makes the entire Christoph Christoph Waltz. So Christoph Waltz is that guy that I was talking about. Yeah. Phenomenal actor. I love him in both. Django and Inglorious Bastards. He does a phenomenal job in both of them. But anyway, yes, absolutely, man, because you got to think about it, right? If I'm making a movie, right, and I get an actor that knows my tendencies and knows what I like to see, it makes the whole entire process way easier versus me dealing with a new actor and then I have to kind of learn them and they have to learn my lingo, my dialect. You know, yeah, they might catch on quickly, but it's not the same as that familiarity, Yeah. right? And so that that really kind of helps, and you're going to see like those those similar actors in, in like a lot of those did, movies. They did uh, once upon a uh, time in Hollywood, and uh, yeah, uh, um, that's going to be with uh, DiCaprio and uh, Brad Pitt. And Brad yeah, Pitt, they were Brad both Pitt. in that. I think that was the last Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, and it was all right, man. Yeah. You know, um, I liked it how how the how it made it modern, like. A little bit of history with a little with a little bit of fiction. That's what I really enjoyed about it. It was it was creative writing. Yeah. Uh, um, but that seems to be like the theme of, of Quentin Tarantino's movie, yeah. creative writing. You know, because a lot of it's again the dialogue. You know, um, yeah, he he does a lot of cool shots and and the way he introduces his his movies, and especially Kill Bill's another one that I didn't we didn't mention earlier that has a lot of cool lines. Um, Especially like internal dialogue. It has a lot of cool internal dialogue. Um, like my, my wife always says, because she loves Tarantino. I think that's her favorite um, director. And she goes, yeah, she always says, they Quentin Tarantino that shit. In other words, meaning they started from the end and worked backward, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show you, the, you what's going to happen and, and kind of work up back, to it. Yeah. yeah. So that's what she, uh, I, yeah, that's where I really like his my favorite movie out of all of those is Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs is a good one. You know, and I, and I thought the scene you were going to say was, and it's not much talking in it, so maybe that's why you didn't bring it up, but it was the scene where, I, I forget the dude's the actor's name, but um, he, J- James Madsen, I think is what his name is. James well, Madsen. When, when he cuts his ear off? Yes, and he starts playing the music. Uh, or he goes, what, what do you call it? Where he starts go, dancing? Yeah, where he goes, he looks at him, he goes, I, I'm not telling you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. Well, I don't really give a shit if you're going to tell me the truth or not. Because I'm going to torture you anyway. You know why? Because I fucking hate cops. And I don't give a shit. 
And, it, and he goes, you like super sounds of the Billy Bob oldies with cuties? And then he goes, it's stuck in the middle with you when he starts dancing. Yeah, stuck, stuck in, in the, the middle, middle with you. you. And then he cuts off his ear. Can you hear me? <laughs> such a badass scene right there. That's the that's scene I thought you were going to say. But I like yeah. that. But I like how he's just so blunt. And he goes, I don't really give a shit what you say. I'm going right. to torture you anyway because I hate cops. <laughs> like, so my all-time favorite Quentin Tarantino movie, if you guys haven't figured it out already, is a tie between Pulp Fiction and Desperado. I can't choose. It's, it's, I've seen both of them so many times. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, but those are probably yeah. my two favorite all-time Quentin Tarantino movies. And then a close second is Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I, I love the dialogue. I'm going to have movie. to rewatch that movie t- tonight. It, it's, it, it's fantastic, man. It's been a while, so, but I, like I the, enjoyed it. Like the opening scene where Christoph Waltz um, is introduced to the to the audience is he's like hunting down this Jewish family in this French I think is a French farmer's house I think he's a milk farmer yeah and like the guy has him underneath the house and through the conversation he realizes Christoph Waltz that they're hiding underneath and he pretty much orders the soldiers to shoot the floor and he tells the French dude like hey man it's not your fault you know I I was gonna figure this out anyway I'm just this is what I do I'm good at this you know but what he didn't realize is one of them escaped. And the one that escaped is the one that ends up coming back later on and, and killing all the Nazis. Uh, even though she dies, but it, I mean, she she kills, she does a pretty cool thing. So I, I recommend everybody check that movie out and, and all the other movies that we've discussed. Um, but um, I have a couple other directors that I wanted to talk about. Not necessarily my honorable mention. One of them is an honorable mention, but this next one is another one of my favorites. And that's James Cameron. And the reason is because, one, he was a director of my favorite movie of all time, and which is Terminator 2. And I just love the way he utilizes technology and the way he does his storytelling, right? He's, was always, he's always a director that pushes the boundaries of visual effects and, and cinematography and how they shoot and do different movies. Like Avatar was, I think, the first movie that I saw in 3D where it was like legit 3D. Like, I remember, like, putting the goggles on, like, the opening scene when they're getting the people out of their, like, pods. And I'm thinking, like, whoa, this, it was sticking out of the screen, you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was out. And, it like, it, that movie blew my mind when I saw it in 3D. And, like, to Terminator 2, another one, you know, like, using the computer graphics, the T-1000, like, that, that level was not, was unheard of at that time. Um, so, yeah, him with his technology, use of technology and, 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 his, and all that. He's up there with me as well as far as like, all-time favorites. Now, I know he's doing Avatar 2 right now. I don't know what Quentin Tarantino is doing. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, man. Those, those are my two all-time favorite directors. Now, I have an honorable mention, and I want to... Do you have any honorable mentions before I start mentioning mine? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I know people will probably say, hey, how can you leave out Steven Spielberg? Uh, I think he's he's great as well, um, but in, in a weird way, I'm just a, pretty much a, just a fan of movies. But there's just few directors like uh, Tarantino's one. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Uh, I, it's horrible of the honorable mention, but it's it's his movie. Uh, what's called M Night Shyamalan? You like M Night Shyamalan? Yeah. Okay. I, I just I think it's he's creative. Where he pushes, like you said, the envelope. 
he sort of thinks of, I mean, up until the Sixth Sense. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's one of those movies like, oh yeah. I mean, after you've seen it, it doesn't have the same effect. But the first time you see it, right. you're like, how the hell did I miss all that? Right. And um, just uh, these last one, like with Broken, uh, or, I seen or, that or like. What's the one? Unbreakable with the oh yes, Broken Unbreakable Glass was good. And, Glass. And the, the trilogy, yeah, Split, and Split. James McAvoy is fantastic. Yeah, that, and that movie yeah. is. Uh, but those movies is just. I mm. think it's just. And actually, I, I hope. I was sort of hoping that they'd make their own little universe. The, uh, well, those there, like three movies on, are in their own universe. Like They're a little all universal show. I meant like a little bit of a universal show slash mm, something like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, they still can because in Glass, they you kind of leave it out in the end. You know, he fulfilled yeah. his thing, which was yeah. to expose that, that they, they exist. exist, and yeah, that and they're so, all out there. So you maybe maybe we'll see. Yeah. I don't know though. I, I, I don't have a lot of faith in M. Night Shyamalan being able to establish a universe like that because yeah. he seems more equipped for like a singular story, you know, where it's like this is the beginning and the end, you yeah. know. Um, he's okay. My only issue with him is some of his endings. Now, I, like Signs, I did like Signs when it first came out. Like, like you said, a lot of the movies for him, unfortunately, because of the way he directs them, like have way more impact initial watch and versus a rewatch, right? Yes. It's not, they're not movies where you rewatch it and it's like the impact's the same all no, the time, right? It's because, totally different. Right, because the shock and the awe is like gone. Like you kind of already know what's about to happen. Like, yeah, you can still watch them. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying though is the way you felt when you first watch it, you don't, you're not going to get that every time you watch no. it after that. So I get that. So Science was one like that for me. Yeah. Um, Sixth Sense was another one like that. Uh, Unbreakable is probably one of the ones where I could probably I could still watch it over and over. Yeah, like, me and too. It kind of because it doesn't have that same it's shock. Like at an all. action movie kind right. of um, thing where you already know what's going to happen, but it's still cool to watch it. Right, exactly. And, and again, I like Split a lot. I thought I thought James McAvoy was fantastic. I thought it was a really cool movie. Um, yeah, that's a pretty that's a really really interesting one for me. Um, and he's kind of an up and coming guy. Um, but Taika Waititi, I think he is. The bee's knees when it comes to the directors of right now. Um, he did Thor Ragnarok, like and Thor for me, like I used to love Thor as a character. Thor was my dad's favorite character, so inherently, like I gravitated towards Thor because you know that's who my dad would like show and talk to me about. Um, the other ones like Birdman. For those who don't know, that's old school Hanna Barbera. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Thor was a character that I always liked, but I didn't like the first two Thor movies. Like I didn't, they were like lackluster for me, right? So the Ragnarok, I kind of had low expectations, but I really liked it. That's probably one of my favorite Marvel movies because it has a great mix of action. Comedy. Comedy. Um, the vibrant colors that you see in the movie. And I think that's like a style, I guess, like what kind of how he does his things. But anyway, um, it's a great movie, right? And then he did the season finale for Mandalorian season one probably one of my favorite episodes you know there's been others and, I, and i've kind of been able to narrow down like the directors of those episodes and like i would love to see bryce dallas howard him uh takai waititi and uh dave filoni do a trilogy those three uh but he did season one the season finale um episode and i was like damn this guy is really really good like like he again he mastered that mix of comedy 
action, you know, drama. Like he's able to kind of tie them all together and and do it in a very unique way. And so I'm really looking forward to what he does next. I know he's doing the next, the new Thor, Love and Thunder. I'm definitely checking that out. I'm sure he's going to do a couple episodes with Mandalorian before the season's done as well. Yeah. Well, I actually love the Mandalorian. I can't wait for it uh, for it to come out tonight. Oh yes! Oh, yes, I gotta yes. watch it tonight on Friday. Yes, yes. Oh man, I, last episode. Ah, uh, that's probably up until right now. That's probably my favorite episode, to be honest. The last okay. episode was probably my favorite episode. That one, and then number two is the season finale of last season. Yeah. But that episode. I thought Rosario Dawson did a phenomenal job. They, I knew it was going to be perfect. You know, there's certain actors, right, that you know if they're cast in that role, like, no, they're going to do great because they they are that character. Like, they can yeah. act like themselves and, and that's it. Like, that character was made for them, right? Exactly. Like, one, one, I'll give you an example of a character, of a character that was never casted with the right guy who I think should have been the guy, right? And that's Green Lantern. Green Lantern, they ended up casting Ryan Reynolds, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I thought they should have went with Nathan Fillion. Now, Nathan Fillion, he had done the voice of Green Lantern, I want to say, on Justice League, uh, the animated series. I want to say he was the voice. Um, But I thought he would have been a phenomenal Green Lantern because he has the right temperament. You see, Ryan Reynolds, for example, is a perfect Deadpool. Perfect Deadpool because Ryan Reynolds' vernacular and how he jokes around and, and, and stuff like that's that. Just him. That's yeah. the same as Deadpool. So that was the perfect cast for him, right? Same thing with Nathan Fillion. Like Nathan Fillion is the perfect mix of like captain, like a pilot like a pilot attitude, like cocky, um, but yet like smart, assertive, authoritative. But at the same time, can make a joke or two, right? He wasn't. It's the Green Lantern isn't like a constant jokester, you know. And so, what does he think he is the Joker? Right. <laughs> and so, I thought that you know that that was a miscast. Yeah. But again, the Deadpool is, is a perfect cast. And so, in that situation, you got the the perfect cast for that role. And so, um, Rosario Dawson did a phenomenal job as Ahsoka Tano, you know. I think well, I, I think for those of you guys that were like, man, you know, why did why wouldn't she have trained Grogu? You got to remember, like, she's kind of still conflicted about whether or not she herself is a Jedi. You know, she didn't. She left the Jedi Order not on good terms, and from that point on, I don't think she really views herself as a Jedi. No. I think she just views herself as a person who utilizes the Force. Which, in all honesty. That's really the, in my opinion, and and if you guys want to hear more about it, we're just gonna talk about it really shortly. But in my opinion, the true use of the forces you have to use both sides. It's just you don't let the dark side overwhelm you. You know, you have to kind of control it. But that doesn't mean you completely ignore it, right? And I think that's where the Jedi's fall short. I think the Sith are actually closer to the right path than the Jedi, in my opinion. But if you guys want to hear more about it, let us know. Hit us up at the Audio at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, the Audio. So, Dom, next we're going to go ahead and travel around the world. Tell us what's going on at the Barrios around the world.
let's go and go around the world. We'll go and be starting off here in South Africa. Well, our Barrio Bros in South Africa, if you guys are playing the lotto, maybe you might look at uh, some of the results that they had last week. The actual lotto winning numbers in South Africa. Can you believe this, Pucho? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> they, what, are, what are the odds of that? They actually. What are the odds? I, I don't even know, but they went ahead in South Africa. They went ahead and did uh, an investigation just to make sure there's no tampering. Right. And it wasn't. It, that was just. The, did the, anybody win? 20 people won. Three hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Who's playing that number? Who's playing those numbers? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this much: if, if the cash, uh, the cashier handed me a quick pick and it was five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I would have thrown it in the garbage. Me right? too. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna lose. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, um, so maybe next week I'll play one, two, three, four, five, six, and see what happens. And in Richmond, California, our barber bros out there, you know, there was a there was some ruckus, and so people called. The police, because they thought there was a burglary going on, and come to find, it was just a dozen raccoons fighting. <laughs> they actually were just brawling. <laughs> they were fighting as a yeah, fight were, club, raccoon fight club exactly. in the backyard. <laughs> so our raccoon bar- barrio bros I'm out there. I'm surprised out there gambling. Yeah, exactly. And the uh, other one, uh, the third one, which I think you might like, mm. for our barrio bros in Japan, and... They went ahead and they created a 59-foot, uh, g- what's it called? A Gundam. A Gundam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 59 I've foot that Gundam. One. Yeah, I saw moving that. Moving Gundam. Real-life Gundam, man. Exactly. Replica, the moving Japan's arms. Japan's going to be the first one with it. Watch. Yeah. Like an actual, it, like an actual autonomous one. I think yeah. that one is, is operated through cranes. Yeah, it's, it's a 59-foot replica one, and it can move. Yeah, I've arms, seen it legs, move. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's right ridiculous. when I saw it, I was like, "Oh man, Pucho is gonna love uh, probably like this. He's probably planning his next vacation to go watch it." To oh, go see it. Yeah. yeah. How how did you know that? I've seen videos of it, and and it, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's a giant. Gu- I mean, first of all, it's like seeing a Gundam that's life size, meaning it's the size of an actual Gundam. Yeah. It's supposed to look like in real life, and then seeing it actually move, it's like. The next step would be to, to incorporate a computer and, and to actually get it to function Work. through, you know, controls and stuff like that. And how hard would that be next? If you can get that done that way and you can make it move through the way you can do it, the next step would be that. And then maybe finding an energy source of power. But anyway, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. So that that's what's going around in the, around the world with our barrier bros. Dang, all right, man. So... I think it's time to go ahead and cast our reel and see what we got from our Barrio Bros for next week. Here is the sequence of events. We will drop shields to transport the medicine. At the same moment, the antimatter container will be ejected. As soon as it's clear, Mr. Kim will detonate it with a photon torpedo. Simultaneously, Mr. Paris will jump to full impulse so that we will not take the brunt of the explosion. Is everyone clear on this? All right, so shout out to our Barrio Bro, Miguel, for next week's topic. And, oh, before I give the next week's topic, shout out again to Cindy for giving us our topic for this week. And shout out to Miguel for our next week's topic, which is we're going to talk about Tim Russ's acting. And for those of you guys who don't know who Tim Russ is, he played Tuvok in Star Trek Voyager. 
And he's been in other things, and we'll talk about that in the, in the episode. Yes. And we're also going to talk about our favorite sci-fi actors. So stick around and listen to us next week. And until then, guys, I'm Pucho. I'm Tom. Hasta la vista. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling, the feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is new and I'll have more ideas for you and you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I will too.